Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So welcome, everyone. It's great to see all of you. Of course, my heart, I must be honest, wishes for an in-person sitting, <laughs> but conditions such as they are, this is what is here today. And it's great to see your faces and feel your energy. And there is a field of, of community even on Zoom, which is the good news. So today I wanted to continue a talk that started a few weeks ago. All right, so, so a couple of weeks ago, we started a dialogue on um, Thich Nhat Hanh's teachings on anger and how the practice of mindfulness and Buddhist practices uh, really protect ourselves and others from acting out in unskillful ways. And uh, through these practices, um, we, um, we form more skillful behavior and can come from more loving kindness and wisdom in our lives. And um, one of the questions that arose from a few people is, well, you know, I'm not someone when I'm angry uh, that will act out or lash out or say or do things that are hurtful or harmful. And um, bravo to that, right? But inwardly, there's harm. Inwardly, um, there is um, a tendency to have this inner thunder and storm and pain and suffering where uh, we get either dysregulated uh, by a strong emotion or a painful emotion, or we, um, uh, we have a big inner critic attack, we turn the anger in on ourselves or experience more anxiety and depression. And so anger, as we know, can go uh, two ways. One is outward causing harm to others and that causes harm to ourselves and inward towards ourselves. And very often the uh, social self that we project does not match uh, the inside state. So I wanted to try to address that today and um, next week um, by way of discussing mindfulness and Buddhist practices. So um, many of us, and um, I love Gregory Kramer's teachings on the fact that he says, we don't really acknowledge that we have very tender hearts, very tender places that get so easily bruised. Sometimes we're aware of it and sometimes we're not, but the heart of a human is so, so tender, so tender. And very easily, there's this sensitivity. Uh, this hurt comes easily. And sometimes we'll project strength on the outside 
or or even to ourselves, we can toughen up and uh, push away from those tender places and act with bravado. But inside, there is this inner pain, this inner dukkha, this inner suffering that's quite human. And um, all of us, this human being, we all have a nervous system that's very ancient and old, thousands of years old, and it's rigged up to perceive a threat for survival. And sometimes even the most sensitive thing, the most sensitive hurt or perceived hurt or perceived difficulty can jack up our nervous system and we're dysregulated. We experience fight, flight, freeze, and now we say appease. You know, adrenaline and cortisol can pump up. And sometimes it just feels out of proportion to what's happening. And very often, you know, we'll, we'll, um, we'll just look at ourselves and have a very uh, critical, like, why is this upsetting me so much? I shouldn't be this upset, but yet I'm upset. Have you felt that? You know, this, it's like, I don't know why I'm so upset, but I am so upset and I don't want to be upset. Right. And Marsha Linehan, uh, who, um, is a Zen practitioner and a famous psychologist. She talks about how um, we have different minds. You know, we're not one mind. Uh, and we have like a very thinking logical mind that looks at these upsets and the ways we get dysregulated and judges it and goes, get, get over it. There's no logical reason to be this upset. And then we have this emotional mind that's connected to, um, to the amygdala, to, to a more primitive part of our brain that's very upset. And uh, it can be crazy making. And she, she talks about wise mind. And what we talk about as mindfulness practitioners and Buddhist practitioners is um, coming back into the center of awareness and finding equanimity where wisdom lies. And as we practice, we learn to pause, to come back into the body and mind and to call up compassion and allow that dysregulation to settle a bit so that we can come from a deeper wisdom. And this does not happen overnight. It's not something that's quick. It's something that's slow. It's a slow practice. I don't know about you, but uh, it's really interesting how this body mind, this chitta, this heart and mind is um, constructed that you can remember somebody shaming you, calling you a name, teasing you, hurting you in some way, very trivial way. Um, I can call up a third grade teacher uh, being mean, saying something mean to me because I was talking in class. But I also remember that I got lots of awards for poetry and spelling or things like that. But, but all, you think back, you can remember that harsh voice much more prominently than you can sometimes a loving, a reassuring voice for some of us. We're rigged to hold on to threats. And uh, 
depending upon the causes and conditions in our life, the body and the mind, some of us have more trauma and some more um, developmental difficulties. So, um, so some of us get more derailed than others. So uh, this week, for example, I, um, I got an email and there was one sentence in the email that I didn't care for. And my rational mind said, uh, big deal. All right, you didn't like that sentence. Um, I thought the writer was a bit rude, you know. Um, okay, so what, let it go. Well, that's true, it's true, let it go. But the emotional mind was holding on to it. And you know, this is where a mindfulness practice is gold. So what happened next was um, I was leading a meditation for Insight LA and we were doing um, mindfulness of a difficult emotion and using compassion. Uh, it's, it's a soft and soothe allow, if you, if you know that, that particular meditation. And it was a small group and I guided the meditation but also practiced it. It was really interesting how readily we push away what's hard and difficult, how readily it's hard to embrace that vulnerable space. And all of us in the group said, gosh, we knew we were a little upset about something, but we didn't realize the full impact because it's easy to push it away. And the paradox of that is that once I allowed myself to feel that sensitivity without judgment. That's when it dispersed. That's when it lifted. It was by, by feeling it and bringing it in and knowing it with compassion. Uh, that's when it really softened. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge to feel what we don't want to feel. We usually push it away. So there's this author, uh, he wrote, uh, Stephen Goodman, The Buddhist Psychology of Awakening. It's a pretty dense book, but he talks about um, the ways the mind piles up. Chitta is heart and mind. And very often in life, we just get a pile up. Our mind contracts and around something and piles up. You've experienced it. You've had a bit of an argument or somebody said something or did something or your feelings got hurt and you notice a pile up starts. You're ruminating over it. You're reviewing the conversation over and over. The mind is uh, just talking. You're talking back to the person. Some of us wake up at two in the morning and talk back. You remember something good to say to get back to them hours later. Um, you're having conversations in your head that you'll never have. A muscle tension is happening, tightness, maybe insomnia. Um, maybe you're um, eating a little bit more or having that extra cocktail. You know, you know that the nervous system, something's up for you. And he calls that the mind piling up. The mind will pile up. And I love that. Um, we're agitated and the body is not coming down into equanimity or into normal. 
And he says, for living beings, there are three basic ways in which the mind piles up this pile up. Things are going well. Things are not going well. And somewhere we are a bit confused. We cannot precisely say whether things are going well or not. So you can pile up over anything, but particularly when things are not going well. And he goes on. Um, going well can mean many things. Normally we say it's going well if I like it. And we say things are not going well if they are not in accord with that I, what I want. Um, our firm basis for deciding what is good and what is not is this position of judging from my viewpoint of I, but it is not a spacious viewpoint. There is always a holding pattern, there's tightness. If we think about it, the sky has no preferences. It simply is in a spacious and luminous way. When the rays of the sun fully manifest, the rays don't decide, I should shine more in this direction and not so much in that direction. The habit of judging already means there is a judger. This is a very simple thing to say, but in reality, it is very difficult to catch the judger. Very, very difficult. So what I like about this paragraph is that through a mindfulness practice or the Buddhist practices, what begins to happen, what he's pointing to is your nervous system might get derailed and your um, mind may be piling up and it may be chattering and talking you know, to you about how unjust something was or how miserable something or some pattern happened or something you don't like. But there is a part of you that holds spacious awareness like the sky that can watch it a bit, have some distance from it and just waits it out for the storm to dissipate with loving kindness and compassion. It doesn't quite grab on and tighten as an identity. It's just life happening. That doesn't mean we push away our hurt feelings, we embrace them. And if we have to assert ourselves or take care of ourselves, we do it. If we have to say no, or tell someone this wasn't okay for me, we do it. But there's a spacious quality in it. We're not holding on so tightly. We can lean back in awareness and equanimity finds us because we are not so identified as the judger. The inner critic and the inner judge is softening. It's releasing its grip through our practice, through our moment by moment, day-to-day -day practice, that spacious sky comes in in the difficult times. And that's the definition of a practice. The definition of a practice, we, we all kind of crave that peaceful meditation when things are going good and the mind can quiet or you're on a great retreat. Um, but for me, the definition of practice has become when the difficult happens, am I lost in it and contracted or is there some equanimity and spaciousness meeting me? 
Um, and it takes a while to, to really um, practice in that way. It, it's slow. And, and he says, um, when we have fear of loss, fear of pain, fear of blame, of bad reputation, you know, this is the time where we need to call up karuna, compassion. It starts the doorway in, is allowing the feeling and bringing in compassion. So questions that we can ask ourselves, take a breath, take a breath. It's a lot here. Just take a breath. The ways we can bring in compassion is with curiosity, slowing down, kindness and warmth. And some of the things we can begin to ask ourselves when the mind piles up, when there's a pile up. Am I understanding and patient towards those tender, tender parts of myself? The parts that I personally don't like. Can I bring kindness and patience and sit with it? When something painful happens, who's rushing in? Is it that inner critic that comes in first? How fast is the self-blame? Yeah, the way to look at this. Can I see my feeling, my failings? when I feel like I fail or something goes wrong as part of a human condition. One among many, many people are struggling just like this. Or is there a contraction around inadequacy or shame? And when I'm going through a hard time, can I give myself the caring, the tenderness, what I need. And if inadequacy arises or difficulty or shame or you did it wrong, um, is there a reminder that this is a shared experience? A little bit, of, is this a shared experience? Many people feel this way. Many people feel this way. Um, or am I feeling alone or it's my failure or just me? I'm the inadequate one. Everybody else is doing fine. And if there's intolerance or impatience, or if I'm obsessing or fixating on what's wrong, can I pause and bring in that kindness? Can I pause or bring in that kindness. The good entry point is curiosity with compassion. So um, we'll do a little bit of an exercise around this. If you like, Take a breath or two, check in, see how you're feeling right now. I think this is one of the harder subjects in uh, mindfulness and Buddhist practice. 
is this internal world, soothing this internal world. So um, calling up a past situation, maybe a minor one, not a hard, difficult one, because we're not in a space to tackle the bigger things, a smaller thing. <laughs> So where you were, you felt mistreated in some way or hurt or vulnerable, a good one for me would be a sentence in an email that my mind fixated upon. Lovely. Yeah, something like that. Uh, mild to moderate disturbance, but not traumatic. Um, and if you like, as you call this up, visualize it, bringing it to mind. For some of you who have practiced self-compassion, you might want to add in touch, a, a, a kind touch on the heart or the arm, somewhere on your body, a soothing touch to bring in warmth. And sometimes we wish to receive kindness from another and we don't get it. We don't get what we want. We get hurt or we just didn't get our need met. We didn't get heard or respected. For some reason, this person or group is unable to give us what we need and what we want. Sometimes it's society or government or a neighbor or a loved one. They just can't meet our need. But we do have another resource and that's our own compassion, our own compassionate heart. For example, if you needed to be seen, the compassionate part of you can see the fact that you need to be seen, can actually say, I see you. Sometimes we need to be supported or to feel connected. And that compassion can say, I'm here for you or you belong. If you needed to be respected and you didn't get it, you from a compassionate place can confirm and affirm, I know my own value. And when we need to feel loved, we can even give ourselves that you, I matter, you matter to me. I care and support you. So you can find the words that you didn't get from the outside. You can give it to yourself on the inside and whatever words come up for you, you can apply that now. And if this doesn't make sense in this moment, you can give yourself compassion for the fact that it's not making sense in this moment. And even taking a moment just to ask what you need right now. What do you need right now? 
moving from the storyline of what caused the hurt, if only for a while, asking yourself, what basic need do I have? Or did I need at the time that was not met? just exploring, maybe exploring a minute or two, were there other feelings underneath a strong feeling like anger or resentment or hurt? Were there other feelings? Were there softer or more vulnerable feelings? And bringing some warmth and acceptance here. And we can even validate the experience of all the emotions. Sometimes we need our anger for protection. You know, we can even validate, I care about myself and that's why I'm angry. That's why I'm frustrated. That's why I'm setting a boundary or saying no or walking away. Sometimes we just need to acknowledge that it wasn't okay to be treated in the way that we were. And that when this happens, we're not alone. A lot of people feel this way. And I'm bringing this compassion in. May I have compassion for myself? May I find ease in this situation? May this pile up unpile. Because I care. And it's human to feel this way. So taking a minute or two, just taking that in, bringing the warmth of awareness in. Oh, to be human. Oh, to suffer just like this. Such an opportunity for practice. So bringing your awareness back into the room. So I'm wondering what the group would like to do at this point. Would we like to share, ask questions, speak as a group or have some um, breakout rooms? If you have a preference, this would be a good time to unmute and let us know how you're feeling. If I hear breakout rooms, we'll do breakout rooms. Or if you want to just share as a whole, 
We can do that. Group as a whole, okay, okay. So would anybody like to share um, or ask a question or just what's coming up for you today? What's on your mind? This would be a great time. Yeah, just the other day, it's just an example directly in point. I was driving to the back, back bay of Long Beach and I was really at that stage mindful of driving carefully. I was really watching for kids. I was slowing down. I thought I was being a really good citizen. And this guy pulls up next to me and, you know, and goes, you know, roll down your window, roll down your window. And he looked like somebody I knew. So I was going, oh, there's a friend of mine. <clears throat> so I rolled down my window and he goes, hey, bud, do you know you just ran that stop sign? And I went, no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. Why don't you pay attention? You know, and so here I was thinking that I was doing everything the way I should be doing it. And some guy kind of bursts my bubble and blows my serenity and tells me I'm not paying attention to what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, it really, really made me mad. So I just, I didn't say anything. I didn't, you know, I've been you know, working really hard on my 12 steps in my AA program. So I didn't didn't pop off and tell him what I really wanted to tell him. Just smiled, said, thank you, and pulled up my window and left. But I was mad about that for hours after that. I really was. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah, go ahead, finish. No, yeah. and I, didn't, I didn't know how to, how to deal with it, really, quite frankly. I didn't know how to tamper down the feelings because they were there and they were pretty raw and they, I was pretty pretty upset. You know, normally you'd want to drive after the guy and rip him out of his car and you know get into a brawl with him and all this other kind of stuff you know back in the back in the day but I, I hope I'm beyond that thank you that's a good example um yeah we'll come back to you know it's a good question is when your your the body and the nervous system will respond by becoming dysregulated and we'll go into a fight flight or freeze um, kind of way. You'll feel the sensations in the body and the mind. And um, the, it's a good question. How do you get back down to ease? Um, one is just not to judge it. And I remember my dad and now they do this in all the schools, you know, they'll bring in, uh, my dad did this for us and he got a, and, and the funny thing about this story is that my dad was uh, someone who could not control his strong emotions at all. But no, he got an empty jar, filled it with dirt and water and shook it and gave us this lesson of, you know, this is what happens when you're really angry or really upset or things are really hard. And if you wait and, you know, you see the the dirt settle to the bottom and the water's clear. We do this for kids in school now all the time. And this is what mindfulness is, you know, you wait for the, 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 the stuff to settle and then your mind is clear. We always give this to kids, but how many adults can really do that? <laughs> you know? Usually the people holding up the jar are the ones that have the problem. I've held up the jar too, and, you know, to kids as well. So I'm guilty as charged. Um, but that question, Jeffrey, of how do we hold ourselves when we are so dysregulated 
Uh, sometimes we're just in shock or we're surprised. Um, you really have to practice compassion. And um, a lot of times we just need a lot of soothing. Is that we need some somatic movement or walking or a cup of tea or a friend, but really asking ourselves with kindness, what do I need right now um, in this difficulty? Thank you for sharing that. That's a good example. <laughs> yeah. I had almost the same kind of experience you did, Jeffrey, and I will have to say um, it, was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, but I'm just thinking how it's such a function of time. And I remember after this woman gave me uh, driving instructions um, that, you know, just being able to say this is going to take time. And always when things feel badly, I want them over now. But things never get over now. You know, I practice my best mindfulness and think of compassion, which seems not to be accessible at the moment. And, <laughs> you know, don't you call upon it? Hey, where are you? I need you now. Um, but, you know, over time, I was really, um, and only with time, I don't think anything else would have worked uh, for a while, but I was able to see why I annoyed her. And, um, you know, able to get to a, a place, but I think sometimes just the patience, maybe the compassion as I think about it, it's just knowing that I can't find it right now. Um, so anyway, thank you for that sterling example. Um, I can definitely relate. Jane, I appreciate your take on it. I agree that the compassion could be just, it's not here and just wait for it to come. Um, I find myself a lot of times these days, and I think this is kind of in the air, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but um, just from, from reading things that people say and stuff is like, I find myself that I am if somebody does something wrong to me, like that is an injustice that I have a lot of like righteousness about, you know, like um, that's not something I like am willing to easily let go. Like, it's like, no, you were wrong. You did something wrong to me. How dare you? You know, I mean, if I'm angry about something else where it's not an injustice, then I can sort of let that go a little bit more. But now that I think about it, maybe everything that makes me, <laughs> makes me mad, <laughs> feels like an injustice. Well, you know, I, I, what I wanna say about that is if, if we think about the sky, we're not saying that I don't, there's no thunder and lightning, right? We're, we're saying thunder and lightning happen, hurricanes happen, tornadoes, blizzards, it all happens and then it ends. It's, it's impermanent. Uh, I too get very angry when things don't go my way and particularly these um, interactions and uh, you know, uh, my mind is not a happy place at the news hour when I'm watching, it's not. But when we are practicing the principles of impermanence and we're practicing compassion regularly, um, we're not lost in the content, we come back. And we come back faster, sooner, with more equanimity over time. 
But that doesn't mean when um, something really bad happens that we don't get enraged or um, dysregulated or disorganized or hurt as just being human. You know, it's not like, again, think of the analogy. We, we don't say there should be no more thunderstorms or blizzards or tornadoes. We know they will happen. The dukkha that we're born with will come. It will come for us. <laughs> You know, it will. And it's just, um, we're, we're working with that response. And if you rage or fail, or you're very, very angry, it's not that your practice isn't working, it's that you're human. You know, it's just human, thus being human. Yeah. All right. I think it was Anthony. Yeah. Uh, good to see everybody. Um, again, I apologize for canceling on the Saturday sit. Um, I found out at the last minute that we had this huge track meet, 26 teams. Um, and then I've had all these, I just started coaching again. So I had these babies who, you know, uh, 15, 16, who'd never even been to a track meet. So I felt like I needed to be there for them. But anyway, this was some instant, uh, karma. Uh, so I, bail, I bailed on the sit, and then after the track meet, oh, we did very well. We got first, second varsity girls and first place uh, fresh soft boys. So 26 teams, three medals, and, uh, you know, we, we did great. Um, but uh, I was supposed to go out to dinner with this, or actually cook dinner for this young lady after the track meet. So I rush home, I mean, I rush to the store, I get the stuff, you know, I cook the dinner, you know, and... Uh, Seven o'clock, she didn't show up. Eight o'clock, she didn't show up. Nine o'clock, she didn't show up. 10 o'clock, she didn't show up. You know, I'm texting, what's going on? Just let me know what's going on. You know, but, you know, anyway, make a long story short. Uh, I finally got a text from her to like 1130 saying that she'd fallen asleep. And, uh, you know, so it was just so frustrating and I felt so hurt. You know, it's, uh, you know, you go out of your way and, and, uh, so your, your, your talk today was right on point. It was, uh, it definitely uh, is something that uh, I hadn't experienced in a while, but uh, it, it was right there, Duca. <laughs> welcome, welcome back. Welcome Duca, right? Right, yep. right. Come on in, <laughs> have a seat. Again. Yes, it's the Duca. <laughs> Thank, so, you. thank you, Anthony. Thank so you. late. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much, Wendy, for this topic. Um, I definitely can relate. Um, I started reading this book titled Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender. I'm not sure if um, any of you have read it. Um, but the author mentions that um, when we experience emotions, um, we will either suppress or repress them or avoid them or escape them, just kind of like automatically, that's what we do. For me, that's definitely what I do. Um, but he mentions like that there's a difference between doing that, you know, just automatically without awareness and 
choosing to um, engage in some of those types of activities with awareness. And he mentions, which I found very helpful for me, um, you know, especially when I'm feeling like overwhelmed, you know, maybe with frustration, anger, or fear, or all of those emotions all at the same time. Um, he mentions, you know, as long as um, we, you know, with awareness choose to um, maybe engage in some of those activities. And then once um, we're ready, then maybe we can sit down, you know, with those emotions. And so for me, I have found that helpful where um, I'm choosing to just maybe for now, you know, maybe not um, try and sit with those like heavy emotions. Um, and then once I'm ready, I can actually sit with them. Um, and I have, you know, like I've been able to sit um, with in meditation and offer myself that self-compassion that I need um, or offer that soothing voice that I need or just kind of like um, caress my arm or just like, you know, pat my chest. Um, but again, um, I, I'm choosing to maybe wait a little bit to, to offer myself that space that I need. Thank you. So late. who is the author? Maybe let us know. Um, this author. is um, David R. Hawkins. Um, I'll put it in a in the chat. In the chat. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else like to share? Hi. Um, talking about doing things, uh, you know, like touching or touching your heart or whatever, I have found it very helpful. I used to do this with my patients a lot. If I had a really difficult patient, I kind of make a cutting motion to my side uh, as if I'm like cutting off the energy stream between the two of us. So if I have a difficult encounter after, uh, you know, I'm after it's done, then I can make this cutting motion, separating myself from the experience and from the energy of that other person. Because I think that sometimes the energy, the energy stays connected with this person is like dragging a, a ball along a chain and ball along with you, um, you know, emotionally. And so by simply making that gesture that motion of cutting the energy it's it's really helpful for me to separate myself um I want to say that I recently was with my sister which is really and my mother and my bro uh, my brother-in-law and that's a really challenging environment for me as you know Wendy and um and I had some success. So I want to talk about the success about when we, I mean, I went, uh, she's opposite political, opposite religious, uh, spiritual views and everything like that. So um, uh, I had a situation. I know my brother-in-law is very tightly wound and I normally try not to say anything controversial. And um, at dinner, there was some conversation about, I guess, like Fox News and news in general. And I said, I just don't know how you watch that from morning till night. And and my brother-in-law just like clammed up. I mean, I could hear him like snapping shut. And then he just got up and started clearing the table. So I got up and started clearing the table too. And my sister said, you know, when 
we're out of shot of my brother-in-law. I think you upset Jim. I think you said, what did you say to him? And I said, I don't know what I would say, what I said to upset him. And I knew what I had said, obviously, but, uh, you know, uh, that's his choice to be upset or not. I didn't think it was particularly controversial, but anyway, so, um, uh, so she said, what did you say? And she like keeps after me. And this is, she gets drunk on wine and every evening, and then she wants to pick a fight. So I knew this was just typical behavior for her that she, now she wants to pick this fight with me. And so I said, you know, what did you say to him? What did you say? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I walked away and she's like, Oh yeah, take no responsibility. And, um, and so I just walked away, walked into my room for a minute, just kind of gathered myself. And then I thought, you know, I can, I can put an end to this. So I just walked in and said to my brother-in-law, I'm sorry. I didn't it was not, Pam said, I upset you. It was not my intention. And I looked him straight in the eye and he looked at me for a minute, like, you know, am I gonna, am I gonna fight back or how can I is kind of how I felt. And then he said, uh, I appreciate that. And I walked off. My sister had no more ammo. He and I just kind of let it go right there. It felt like for me anyway, I was done. And um, it was so easy. Whereas before we could have all gone off and stewed about it and he could have held it against me and, you know, told me never to come back to his house again or whatever, you know what I mean? You could go on and on with the stories, but it just ended right there. And it was like, I thought, ah, good job, Bonnie. You just, you just kind of squelched that. And you didn't let it go any further. And it just felt so much better I, that I didn't react. I responded in a wise way, I felt. It didn't hurt me to apologize. I kind of thought it was ridiculous, truthfully. But, you know, I had also made me stop and look at him. I learned something about him. The fact I feel that from morning to night that they watch Fox and that they feel themselves or brainwashing ourselves themselves with all this rhetoric. And I think from his response, I kind of felt maybe he thought that he was doing his duty of watching the news and being a mindful citizen, <laughs> you know, that it was his job to stay informed, to stay informed. And I had never thought of it that way before. I just think he's brainwashed and my sister's brainwashed. But, you know, I thought, well, you know, that could be another perspective. So anyway, well, I've gone on too long. But anyway, it feels good when you when you can be mindful and make a choice that ends hard feelings, at least for me. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. That was a great example of your practice in action. Um, that's great. It is a it is a win. It's a lovely feeling when we can um, really respond with kindness and care. 
Um, and sometimes we have to take care of ourselves in addition, but to really do it that way. But I wanted to um, take a moment of a pause to share in Modita, Mudita with Bonnie, who is able to fly down to North Carolina and be with her mom who celebrated 100 years. So much joy, Bonnie, that you got to be with your mom at 100. Yes, thank you so much. It was really awesome. And yesterday, he she was recognized by the mayor, and she was the first member of the um, Centurion Society that they just created for anybody a hundred no. But yeah, thank you very much. Yes, it was wonderful, and you know, COVID and all that didn't stop us from being together. So that was great. Honey, I just wonder if. Yeah. Uh, your brother would be open to doing his duty by listening to other perspectives in the news as well. Maybe no, I don't think so at all. I don't think so for a minute. No. Okay. All right. I'd love uh, to have open dialogue with him because I'd like to understand his extreme right perspective. But um, no, he's just a very angry guy and i think to open that door there'd be no there'd be no way to do that but thank you i'd like to but i, I don't see it ever happening well good job bonnie <laughs> and and i and we can hold the hope that in our country one day we could all have dialogues like this and listen to each other i hold the hope i really hold the hope yeah i, I agree i agree Thank you. And I must say, you know, um, I think family is the most challenging to our practice. <laughs> it can be either the best ally or the best uh, alien, if you will. <laughs> true. Very true. Very true. I think it was Ram Das who said, um, if you believe you're enlightened, spend the day with your mother or go home and then let's see how enlightened you are. <laughs> Rick, you've had your hand up for a while. Or your your Zoom hand. <laughs> I um, appreciated having some of these tools, you know, as you presented them today, I've had an interesting relationship with the practice lately because I've had a lot of pain, uh, quite a bit of chronic pain, and um, <clears throat> it doesn't seem to work. You know, uh, honestly, I mean, it's just kind of like I, I've had, you know, people say, well, just, you know, just, uh, you know, do all the practices that you're supposed to do for this or that, and, and this doesn't, doesn't really work for me right now. But um, it's it's good to be able to be okay with it not working, I guess. Well, you know, um, none of these practices are, um, they're practices, but they're not, they're one of many practices. And sometimes we don't feel they work for us. Um, there are moments where they don't work, but we're really talking about the arc of practice over many, 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 many years. Um, you know, they're not big band-aids or magic or like, you know, I would like to get offline and I would like to order compassion, um, from Amazon and have a subscription. And I want it at my door tomorrow, you know, for a good price. 
I don't know about you, but if I could do that, I would, right? Uh, all those good things. Um, so I, I'm hoping Amazon can send that to me. But practice is a long arc over years and years and years and years and years. And I think we sell my, when we sell mindfulness and Buddhism, sometimes we sell it as the magic pill or the quick fix. And it's not. It's a long, slow road. Um, and just like the 12 step programs, um, where they say we happily trudge along the road of destiny, you know, you're in it for the long run and the changes in the promises aren't coming from a few meetings. They're coming from years of working on yourself very similarly, but, um, we really want to send you meta and loving kindness and compassion because pain is hard. Physical pain is really hard. It's hard to deal with. And uh, you deserve uh, the meta and loving kindness and compassion. Um, and we'll put you in our meta practice because uh, pain is hard to bear. And being human is hard, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah. And we, and, and we use everything. Yes, Jane. You know, I was just struck, Rick, by how I think how profound I think what you brought up is. And at some point, if we had more time, there are certain things that don't respond the way traffic annoyances do. And pain, um, physical pain and emotional pain are among them. And while I suppose we all cognitively know that we can't make pain go away or fear go away, uh, or terror go away. Um, we all want to practice still. And that merits, I mean, we're out of time, but I, I, I do think, Rick, I, I really appreciate your bringing that up. And I think that's a very profound issue that all of us face from time to time. And I am practicing. It's just, it's a, um, you know, with limited, well, in terms of, helping the pain, you know, it's just like being, anyway, um, it's just been a process. And it's hard. There are times where it's really hard. I think we all have those moments. There was a saying, um, I was, one time I was, for a while I was studying the Course in Miracles and Miriam Williamson was that big person from the Course of Miracles, if any of you have ever heard her speak. And she said, uh, if you haven't thrown that book on the Course of Miracles across the room, you're not practicing. <laughs> you know, that stays with me. You know, there are certain times where you're like, oh, the heck with this. You know, I'm sick of this, right? That's part of it too. You know, to have those dark night periods is certainly part of it too, yeah. So we have a couple of minutes left and uh, anybody else would like to say anything or share anything or? Wendy, could you, could you share the name of that book with the yellow cover where you were talking about the mind piling up? Yes, it's called um, The Buddhist Psychology of Awakening. Um, <laughs> this doesn't help when I do that. And it's uh, an in-depth guide to the Abhidharma by Stephen Goodman, um, and it's a gem. It's it's quite dense, but it's really very good. Really lovely read. Um, so. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else? 
So thank you for your presence. Um, this is not an easy topic. You know, it's a harder one to explore. Uh, it's great to be with you and to see you. We do accept donations for our Sangha. Um, and uh, we want to end with uh, Meta dedicating the merit. And uh, I'm hoping that, Don, would you like to do that for us? <laughs> Notice uh, how uh, I put him on the spot, right? Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> okay, so just like you and just like me, all beings long to be happy and free from suffering. May any goodness, any understanding or insight we have realized here today go out to all beings, no exceptions. May all beings have happiness within and the causes of happiness within. May all be free from suffering and its causes. May all never be separated from true happiness, genuine well-being, free from delusion. May all live in equanimity without attachment or aversion. And may all live knowing the equality of all that lives. Thank you so much for your practice. Have a great day and it's wonderful to see all of you, your lovely faces. I'm enjoying that still. It's great to be with you. Question. Thank you. Where can we Bye. send them? Bye. Where can we send the Donna to? Um, no, donations, donations. Donations. Uh, and put it in the chat unless somebody else has it handier than me. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, if you'll hold just a minute, let me find it. John can do everything. <laughs> Sometimes slowly, but yeah, I can, I can try. <laughs> we appreciate your service to the Sangha, Don. I know, I know, my goodness, yes. And thanks for a wonderful talk, Wendy. Have a great day. You too, Bonnie. Is it, have you got it in that chat? No, I thought, no, I'm sorry. I thought I had it uh, handy at one point in my notes. I should have it too. Yeah, yeah I need, I'll have it handier for next time. Is that, is yeah. that okay, Jeffrey? Yeah. Yeah. Of course it is. Next time, just give me an address and I'll send some okay. to all right. Yeah, Sue, Sue, when Sue is here, she usually yeah. takes care of that for us, uh, putting it in the chat. But uh, yeah. <clears throat> we should probably uh, put Bonnie's mom up in our Facebook page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me send her a text. <laughs> All right. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, John. Take care. Bye bye.
You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.